But I do remember meeting this Canadian guy who was a skipper and he would come to Mallorca because it's the capital of yachting. And he would hire himself out for wealthy Europeans and just take them island hopping throughout the Mediterranean. And he was trying to get with me so bad. He had definitely exoticized me. He would call me dark girl. I've never been with a dark girl before. And I was just like, Sorry, oh what? my God. Like, <laughs> but yeah, it was, yeah. it was interesting. And I was broke at the time. And so I knew this man was like willing to finance a lifestyle and do, you know, but it was like, I, I just, I don't have it in me to, to do that, you know. Welcome to Flourish in the Foreign, an award-winning podcast that celebrates, elevates, and affirms the voices and stories of Black women living and thriving abroad while exploring living abroad as a pathway to wellness. I'm your host, Christine Job, a Black American woman with Trinidadian roots, podcaster, business strategist, and entrepreneur based in Valencia, Spain. Hey everyone, welcome back to Flourish in the Foreign. I'm Christine, and I'm so happy you have chosen to spend some time with me. All right, so I have heard your pleas and your cries <laughs> and your your interest, and I have decided to do a Build a Business Abroad Mastermind. Yes, a little bit different from the group coaching. As I said previously, I've been retooling the group coaching program, and I've decided in the interim, let's just go ahead and do an eight-week mastermind live video sessions with me and everyone else who signs up. Although I will be keeping the cohort cozy because I think that's really helpful. So build a business abroad mastermind eight weeks starting in July. Okay. Eight weeks. We're going to have two major focuses of this mastermind. One, visibility, because a lot of y'all are afraid to step into your greatness. A lot of y'all are afraid to be successful. A lot of y'all are afraid to make money. So we're going to work on that. And the second thing, we're going to create a sales system for you, which is to say, we're going to create a step-by-step plan and execute that plan of sustainable sales system for your business. That's what we're going to do. You know, Black Friday is coming up (laughs) and all that jazz, but also just for the sustainability of your business. It's so important to have steps in place that can be repeatable, right? So that the business is viable, sustainable, and impactful while employing soft life principles, right? So that's how we do soft life in business is that we build systems, not so that we can set and forget it because we still got to manage it, but basically we can set it and forget it. Okay, this mastermind for eight weeks is going to be 1500 USD. Please sign up as soon as possible because I'm really excited about this. I know that At the end of these eight weeks, your business is going to be in a completely different place than it was before, especially or perhaps only if you do 
all of the things that I tell y'all to do. Now, every week we're going to meet, we're going to chat, and I'm going to give you homework. You're going to feel like you're not ready. You're going to do it anyway, and you're going to have a beautiful business at the end of this eight weeks if you listen to me, okay? That's what we're going to do. So do not delay. Join my masterclass. We're going to kick off in July. If you want more information, the link is in the description of this episode. It's on the website. It's in your email. It's everywhere. Okay? Let's do this right. Let's get it done. No more excuses. And for those of you that might be wondering... Am I going to do another mastermind this year? Am I going to do another group coaching this year? To be completely honest, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I know I tell y'all this a lot, but I have a lot of things going on. So like, I'm not sure yet. I'm trying to get myself situated and again, employ soft life principles. And I have a lot of other things going on. So we will see. We will see. But what I will tell you is that don't bet on me doing it again this year. I wouldn't do that. If you are serious about getting this business to where it needs to be, which is making money, let's work because time is just a ticking away. And I'm not sure what you're waiting for because you're never going to feel ready and it's never going to be the right time. But This is the time for you to actually make a difference in your life. You are the ones you've been waiting for. And I'm just here to hold you accountable. Okay? That's what I'm here for. All right. I look forward to seeing you all in the mastermind. All right. On to the next episode. Season four. Episode 16. Today's episode is from one of the live panels that I did in 2022 on dating abroad. This is Dating Abroad Live Panel 1, and it features Tadre and Nicole. You'll remember Tadre is a past podcast guest from Season 4, Episode 1, and Tadric also has the platform Blackzit to Africa. Some of you may know Nicole from Instagram. Her handle is the Soulful Expat. And we really got into it about dating abroad. I just have to thank these ladies again, even though it's been, goodness, over a year. But they really, they didn't hold back. And they really shared. And I hope you guys listened to this episode and really gleaned some of these amazing insights that they shared. Because it's a big deal. You know, dating is quite a sensitive subject for some of us. So I hope you appreciate it. If you want to watch the video, you can. And you can do so by going to the Flourish in the Foreign YouTube channel. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, I don't know what you're doing. Get subscribed. And I don't know, maybe once we hit a thousand subscribers, I'll bring back these live panels again. We will see. Anyway, without further ado, listen to the first 
live dating abroad panel. This is Christine from Flourish in the Foreign. As you may or may not know, Flourish in the Foreign is the podcast that elevates, celebrates, and affirms the voices and stories of Black women across the diaspora living and thriving abroad while also exploring living abroad as a pathway to wellness. Today, we are talking about dating abroad. Why? Because it is one of the most popular questions I receive. The podcast actually has two episodes about dating abroad. If you have not checked those out, you can check them out in the description below. Today is the first dating abroad panel in the series. We're going to have about three so far. And we have amazing, amazing guests to chat about dating abroad. I'm going to bring them on right now. They're going to introduce themselves and we're going to get this party started. If you have a question about dating abroad, you can put it in the comment section if you want. And yeah, let us get started with... Nicole and Tadre. Nicole, why don't you first introduce yourself? Let us know who you are, where you've lived abroad, and maybe like a like a brief kind of statement of your dating ethos, perhaps. Okay, my name is Nicole, the soulful expat. I essentially help women of color, exhausted women of color, overwhelmed over women of color, design a life abroad with ease, intention, and joy. I am currently in Egypt. I've been an expat approaching eight years. I've lived in the UAE, Shanghai, China, and right now I'm on a career break, so hence why I'm in Egypt, and we'll see where I'll go next. My ethos for, I like that question, my ethos for dating, I, (laughs) this is a really good question. Okay, what do I think about dating? I think it's a great opportunity to explore who you are and have fun and get to possibly meet your person. All right, I like that. Tadre, let us know, who are you? What are you about? How long have you been abroad and where are you currently? Okay, well, my name is Tadre Delore Moignet and I am a multi-hyphenate creative, which means I do many creative things. What's most pressing right now is I am an online boutique owner. Beauty is universal. I have been in East Africa since January 2018. Consistently, I started out in Zanzibar, then moved to Uganda, now I'm in Nairobi, Kenya. However, my minor was African studies and I have a background in international human rights law. So that meant that from the age of 18, I've been traveling, working, living, going to school in Africa. Awesome. And And your dating ethos. Yeah. My dating ethos. (laughs) My dating ethos. Okay. It changed this week. (laughs) My dating ethos is broaden your horizons, open up (laughs) to the beauty of the world. Yes. (laughs) I like that. I like that. We're going to get into it. For those of you who have joined, this is Dating Abroad. We have a fantastic panel today. This is the first panel in a series of three or more, depending if you like it. We have the lovely Nicole and Tadre. Now, if y'all have questions for the panelists, please put it in the comments and we will address it. But also let us know where you're tuning in from. Let us know what your experiences have been abroad or your current dating experiences. 
experiences or maybe what you're hoping your, your dating experience will be once you go abroad. Let us know. Also, as a disclaimer, everyone, I live in Spain. Spain is a really noisy country in general, but like we're in the midst of festival season. So you might hear firecrackers, even though it's the daytime. That's how they get down here. So if it gets a little bit crazy, I'm going to mute myself. So just be aware of that. Let's get started, though. Okay. The first thing I think, let's do like a round robin. And I'm going to have Nicole, you kick it off. I would love to hear your best date that you've had abroad. Gosh. I feel like I have two. Okay, tell us. One, it was actually while I was traveling. It wasn't in the UAE, but I was traveling. And I think what, what made it really great was that it was like the first time doing like several things on a date, like going and having some wine. It actually happened in Paris. I hope this person's not watching because they might be like, wow, you're the best. We went out and had wine and I thought it was nice. Like had a really great conversation and I actually met this person in a different country. So it was kind of cool that I met them in another country and here I am in France now, had some wine. And then I really wanted to ride on a Vespa or like one of those, you know, those little bikes. And I had that experience of getting on one of those and then went to another place to have caviar for the first time. So I think it was just kind of like this heightened sense of just like excitement and doing a bunch of things that I hadn't done before. And I guess in my mind, thinking of a date, I don't think of it in terms of, oh, doing several things in one day, at least not at that time, I would say. Okay, I have three real quick. Okay. And then my second one was that I went on a date with a, a pro footballer and didn't know that it was a pro footballer. Yeah, oh, I love this. I love this. As in soccer. And he was the one that was really seeking me out. It wasn't, I went and Googled him after the fact. Excellent conversation, gentleman, amazing. Just like, you know, kicked it off. And that actually happened in Abu Dhabi. That was quite funny. And I remember coming and telling my friend, like, oh my God, he's like really a pro footballer. Like, oh my God, like, I can't believe that. Like, you know, and I was actually happy that I didn't know that because maybe I would have been uneasy. I may have questioned myself. I'm like, why he want to go out with me? You know, like I may have kicked in some self, you know, sometimes you think of celebrity or someone that's of a certain level, you might assume that, at least for me at that time, I would have been like, yo, why are you checking for me for? Especially because they came all the way from Dubai to Abu Dhabi. It was just, that was kind of exciting, I must say. And then my third one, I had a really nice date with this guy where we went out for dinner and we stayed until the whole, to the, to the restaurant closed. Like they had to come to us. I was so enthralled by his presence. We were so into each other. I didn't see anyone leave. I didn't see anyone. Like I didn't see anyone. It was like, we were the only one there in the restaurant, literally. And then after that, we took a long walk. And I feel like either going back to the ethos thing, I think the thing that they all share was just being totally present being present, enjoying myself, feeling like loved on in different ways and being, you know, and I really enjoy that those, you know, I don't, none of them are my man right now, but it actually allowed me to feel more excited about dating and going out on dates. So yeah, that's a little long-winded, but those are like my three best, I would say. I I'm love that it. you have three. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Tajay, how about you? I think 
the best date that I've had. Let me just preface this by saying that I haven't dated a lot since I've lived abroad. And for about a year and a half or more, I was celibate. So I wasn't really doing a whole lot. However, I did go out on a good date in Nairobi. And this guy's NGO, he's Kenyan. And I forget where we started out, but I remember we ended up at his house and he cooked for me. And he's a really good cook. And he was like perfecting this curry chicken recipe. He didn't need no help. He didn't want me to chop nothing, you know, just relax. And, you know, he served me. It was excellent. We had an amazing conversation. What I loved about his house is that he had black and white framed and matted images of famous African-Americans, as well as just like iconic images around his home. And he's a Kenyan guy. And then afterwards, we we fell asleep on his couch watching Friday. So that was it. (laughs) (laughs) I, I love that. I love that. I haven't dated that much abroad. Briefly, right before I moved abroad, I came to Barcelona. I came to Europe for like a spontaneous trip. And I had a layover and I met my ex on the layover. And then I was booed up for like three and a half years. And then now I'm single and I haven't really dated that much. But I did. I was taken on actually a really cute date last year. We went hiking along the Alicante coast here in Spain. And I really liked it because it was one of those things where he really listened to like the things that I like. Like I like hiking. I like being outdoors and nature and, you know, some of like the, the foods. It was like real cute. It was really, you know, sweet, thoughtful. I appreciated it. So that and is, the, go ahead. I was going to say like the common thread in all of our stories is being present and having someone actually listen to you and loving on you in a way that really resonates with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That I think that yeah. is such a major component to it. Let's actually, I probably should have started off with this question because I think this is why people ask about dating abroad so much. Let's talk about your dating experiences before you went abroad and then perhaps talk about what your expectations were when you went abroad. So let's go in reverse order this time. Tadre, why don't you kick us off? Okay, well, I will say that being born and raised in the States, my best dating experiences have been on the East Coast and then also in the Midwest. They just make them different there. East Coast, the guys are, you know, they're pretty aggressive, actually. Like, you can't even get out the airport without somebody trying to holler. Midwest is like, you know, very family oriented guys. So when they take you out, like it's with intention, you know, and like I said, with East Coast, they're aggressive, but they make it known that they actually really like you. West Coast, I moved back as an adult, as like a 40 plus year old adult. And I found that guys would play games. They weren't not even assertive. You know what I mean? They wouldn't tell you they liked you if they got your number. They would take like seven days, 14 days to give you a call, stuff like that. So my experience dating on the West Coast wasn't so great. 
My expectation moving to East Africa in Zanzibar, knowing that it's a Muslim island, Islamic island, I thought I would meet somebody that I could just, you know, kick it with or, you know, have some sort of monogamous relationship with for my duration, for the duration that I was there. Although my focus was not on dating at all. My focus was really just on me and my career. And then the last question is, what has it been like? No, 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 no. We're going to talk about that. I just wanted to know what your experience was before and what your expectations were. So I think, yeah, Nicole, how about you? What were your experiences? So I have a lot of similarities to Tadri, actually. It's so funny. Alignment. I could honestly say that I wouldn't even qualify what I did in New York City prior to moving abroad as dating. I think maybe because of age or just, you know, you meet someone, you like them and they became your boyfriend. Like, essentially, I don't think I was actively like, oh, I'm going out with this such a person. So if I were to be real honest, I don't I wouldn't consider that what I was doing prior to living abroad was dating. To be honest, I was in a relationship before I moved to the UAE and was still in that situation once I moved abroad. So I didn't honestly have expectation. To be honest with you, I just didn't even think about it. To add to what Tadri said, though, I think that even like I'm from New York, as she's talked about the East Coast, like even if you're like not on the app, I mean, I know the culture of everything's changed now because of COVID and just everything else, but In New York, you know, like if you're walking down the street, you're walking somewhere, someone's going to holler at you. Someone's going to say something to you. So I do think even when I was wondering if I was going to stay in my relationship, I just thought that once I got abroad, like it would would just be natural that you're going to go out and they like you (laughs) and right. It was going to be just like easy, like let's say being in New York. I think I had the biggest shock when I realized I had to put effort into this. Like, it's not going to be like New York and I won't be able to just, and and even with the way that the UAE is set up, it's not like you're, you can just walk down the street, you drive everywhere. So I think for me, the biggest thing was like, oh, I actually had to put effort in this part of my life when it just felt like something I didn't have to think about if I was home. If, if I went to enough places or went to the right restaurant, the white bar, I knew I could meet someone that could possibly become my significant other. So I think that was probably, so I didn't think about it because I thought it was just going to be, it was just going to happen. <laughs> like, regard, you know, like it was something that was just going to happen just because I'm Nicole and it's supposed to happen, you know? So I would say that, and I think that was a question, right? I think I missed, that was two questions, right? Like what did I think it was going to be and. Yeah. And what your experience was at home. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that for me, I'm from Atlanta. Atlanta gets a really bad rap for dating. And I get it. It's a strange place. It's a lovely place, but it's also a strange place. I didn't actually have any issues dating in Atlanta. I think all, but I will say that I wasn't pressed at all. I I just freely dated and things like that. Honestly, when I decided to move abroad, I was super burnt out. So I wasn't even thinking about entertaining anybody. The fact that I met somebody on a layover was like strange and very inconvenient. And I was really kind of like, do I want to do this? Okay, I'll do it. I think also now that I'm out of that situation and I'm now thinking about like, what are my expectations now? 
I don't think, I don't know if I have any, because I've heard of so many horror stories. And we're going to talk <laughs> about that. Yeah, we're going to talk about it, especially because we're all in different parts of the world. I'm in Europe. I'm in Spain. A lot of people have a lot of thoughts about Spain. I have lots of thoughts about Spain. We're going to get into it. I want to talk, though, about baggage, right? I want to talk about what kind of baggage did you bring to dating abroad? Maybe you didn't know that you brought some when you when you were going abroad, but how has that baggage been revealed to you in your dating experience? For example, I will say, I dating abroad has taught me a lot and revealed maybe some trust issues. How cliche is that? It's like trust issues. Yeah, but it, it but I think even like control kind of like like issues. And I think with why that was exposed so much was that you know, you're in a different culture, you're dating someone with a different culture, their expectations, their behavior and interpretations of different situations are different. And I felt, found myself wanting to control that a little bit more. I was like, hold up. This was not what I was expecting. And you need to follow this script. And they were like, no, you crazy person. (laughs) Crazy. Right. So for me, dating abroad has really exposed that I'm happy to say that I am, I have, and I am dealing with that. You know, I got a therapist and we talk about it on the reg, but I, I, I want to bring that up because a lot of people are like, I'm going to date abroad and everything's going to be better if things aren't good, mm. you know, in their home country. And I want to talk about, you know, well, have you, have you thought about your own baggage? Have you thought about mm. why it ain't hitting for you right now? Not to say that nobody, anyone watching, I'm not saying that you're not lovely, but you know, we got, we all have work to do. So ladies, whoever wants to jump in, what about your baggage? Any kind of insights so far? What has dating abroad revealed to you? Well, I would definitely say that it revealed one that as a result of living in New York City, I did have this expectation of like swag, kind of like whatever kind of men I was accustomed to being around that like I only wanted them to be like that. So whether it was like the swag <laughs> and not just not just meaning and just like clothing, just like, you know, that cool factor, the way someone's going to talk to you. Like, you know, like you, you're accustomed to a certain language and lingo of how you feel loved or how you feel seen. And I think I was expecting like that and didn't even realize it. And just similar to you, Christine, I realized that through therapy, actually, because I was wanting this New York-ish, Caribbean-ish fella, Mm -hmm. you know, and because everyone I would think was corny. Like, I mean, (laughs) I'm like, in my yeah, that is so real though. That is we so, gotta talk about that. That's so real. So, like in my mind, I would think that things were corny. I was like not really easily impressed. Like, so I realized that I was creating like a block because it was like at one point my third was like, Nicole, if this is what you want, then I'm gonna suggest you have to go back to New York. Like, like you can't go somewhere else and wanting that. Like, it, I mean. So that was one of the major blocks that I had. And I think, too, it really allowed me to, on the flip side, think about what my values were, right? Because then it was like, I think when you move abroad, you have to think about your values because I would say that that was a block, not really truly know what my values were. And then thirdly, my block, which still is a real sometimes 
and it could be controversial, but I realized how much I felt the pressure, the one that I put on myself and outside of myself, like, what if I'm like not with a black man? Like, you know, like most people probably would assume that because you're moving abroad, like you're really excited about being with someone who never raised. But I didn't realize that subconsciously, I like want my black man. I want my black love abroad. Right. So I think for me, even though I would go on dates with people who weren't necessarily black, I still had my own reservation because I felt like, oh, my God, people are going to be like not happy with me or I'm not going to make the black love movement like, you know, I'm wanting something that's outside of myself. So and that's still something that I still like, you know, work through, (laughs) you know, but I think there is that cultural pressure of wanting to meet that goal or to make that happen. And I realized that was also a barrier for me. So that would be my three major one. I won't take up all the space, but yeah. Oh, it's interesting because I resonate with what both of you said. You know, first, I'd like to say that you don't know what you don't know. Um, And then, you know, dating in Los Angeles, people move there from all over the world to make their dreams come true. So I found that in L.A., people was like not wanting to commit, focused on their careers and, you know, the, the baggage that I brought with me to East Africa, I'm not really sure because, again, I don't know what I don't know. Nothing has really presented itself to me with the exception of I had to ask myself, can I love without controlling? So mm-hmm. that goes back to what you were saying, Christine. And I found myself out with a friend whom I wanted nothing more from him than just his friendship. But he was digging me and he invited me to a social gathering. And these women came up to him trying to get his attention. And he was trying to let them know, like, I'm with her. And I found myself like positioning myself to make it seem like we were actually like together like that put my arm around him. I got real close to him. And I had to ask myself, like, why are you doing this? You don't even want him like that. So that began my journey. Like, okay, can I love without trying to control? However, I know that I have some blockages somewhere. So I am preparing to meet up with a healer, a spiritual healer, so we can remove those blocks and also a sound bath therapist. So whatever is in my way of accessing, you know, monetary wealth and a good, whole, healthy relationship, I, we, we moving them right out the way. Yes. Look, take it to the ancestors. Take it to the <laughs> altar. I... Light a can- I do light a candle, put it over the altar, be like, "What's up? What's going on? What 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 y'all trying to do? What's happening? This is the assignment, mm-hmm. you know. Whatever it is, get your akashic records read. Whatever needs to happen, I'm fully down with it. That's that's how I roll. But I will say that Nicole, you brought up something that has been repeated on the podcast so many times. And in these past episodes of the podcast, I have had women who have said, and I've had guests that said that, you know, they, when I talk about dating abroad, they have said, you know, I like living in XY place, but 
I want to marry a black man. So I know I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to move back home or have talked about the freedom they feel from like dating outside of their race and other women who've been like, I feel very uncomfortable. I feel like, how do I know I'm not being exoticized, fetishized, all these other things. It is a very complicated situation. If y'all have watched, not watched, listened to you, those compilations, dating, dating abroad part one and dating part broad part two, it is a roller coaster of experiences. I've had a guest, she's a Jamaican woman in Japan. She talked about how, you know, there have been, there is a reggae scene in Japan um, mm-hmm. and the Japanese are really hardcore into it and they would approach her as if like they need to like add this to their collection <laughs> of reggae, you know, memorabilia. Oh, I have a boyfriend. <laughs> And this is, yeah, like I'm with it. And she was like, that wasn't, you know, great. I've also heard from a lot of guests how they are abroad and trying to date black men, particularly them maybe being American and trying to date black American men abroad has been a no-go because maybe some black American men are like, I'm not trying to check for you. We're in a different location. Goodbye. There's, it's so complicated. It's so complicated. And it is, it's life, right? It's, it's how life works. Yeah. I will say that in this upcoming season, I do have a guest who has exclusively dated Black American men abroad. And I was, when she said that to me, I was like, how did that even happen? She's just like, I mean, that's like, you know, culturally we resonate. I'm like, I get why you would, but like, how? <laughs> like, yeah. How did that happen? So it, it will be really interesting. We have a whole list of comments and questions. So let me try to go through these really quickly before we continue on. How do I do this again? This way, this way. One, Saiba is shouting out Tajay. Tajay, you are gorgeous, as is Nicole. Oh, great. Yes, we all in there together. Thank you. You know how melanin do. Like, that's how it works. <laughs> Saiba says, I've dated abroad. The locals were more serious than other foreigners in the host country. Saiba, tell us which country were you in and what are you referring to? There's another. Okay, she goes on. What kind of jobs or, or venture businesses in Zanzibar for an American? I'm Sudanese American, but always had an interest for Zanzibar and Tanzania. Okay, Tadre, what kind of jobs or ventures and businesses are available in Zanzibar? The Zanzibari market is wide open. So I wouldn't go to Zanzibar looking for a job, particularly as a woman who presents as African descent. Other people are able to go to Zanzibar and get jobs managing hotels and restaurants. My personal experience is that they're looking for foreigners to do that, but they're not looking for Black foreigners. So because the market is wide open for different types of businesses and enterprises, I suggest that you think about launching your own business if you want to go to Zanzibar. Okay. And do you have any suggestions about maybe what type of venture would work well? What, what, is there a need for something in particular in Zanzibar? There's a need for so many things. Definitely the technology sector. At one point, I was thinking about opening up a, a co-working space when I was there that did not exist. Let me see, like your own cultural food. What's another one? Recycling is a big one. 
it's a tiny little island that, you know, seasonally you have all of this rubbish <laughs> that just washes up on the shore. And, oh, no. you know, and, and it's a limited, it's a limited footprint or mileage, right? Square mileage. So where does all of this stuff go? There's so many much stuff coming in from China in terms of plastics and there's no recycling facilities at all. Um, yeah, the, I mean, it's wide open. I would just say Google. And okay. if you want to ask me more, you can hit me up. You can DM me. Awesome. Awesome. And I'm going to do a couple more and then we're going to continue on. Saiba continues saying, I was teaching in Saudi for four years. I enjoyed the experience. Was that where you're talking about the dating, Saiba? Let us know. Let us know. And we're going to go back to questions after this. Okay. So let me look at what I try to write and I don't have my glasses on. Trying to be cute always goes wrong. Okay. Hey, so I think we have a really interesting base of like this conversation. And I want to talk now about what is your approach to dating currently? What is your intention perhaps with dating currently? I want to bring that up because I find you know, I am, how old am I? I'm 35. <laughs> and I feel like my approach to dating is completely different than it was when I was in my twenties. Clearly, you know, you know better. And I feel like I'm really, it's really important to be intentional in everything that I'm doing. And that's what I try to tell people who ask this question, like, who, wh like what's my experience going to be like? And I'm like, well, what's the intention that you set? Are you intending to just date just to date? Are you intending to find a life partner? I personally think that that's important to set those kind of objectives because I think there's, I feel like in the United States, there is this idea of like, I'm just going to go with the flow and see what happens. And then people get disappointed. And I feel like probably because you didn't set an intention with yourself as to what you want truly you and you can't voice that. So yeah, intentionality for me is my approach. Ladies, what is your approach? I'm all about intention, but I also say I'm big on, as I said, like, you know, if you look at my bio, I'm all about flow and ease too. I think they can all work together because one thing that I've learned is that like, if I'm going on a date, like I need to marry the person, my energy is different. It feels serious. It feels too heavy. I don't really get to see the person if this is someone that I actually really want to get to know. So, and when I say actually making them work together, as far as intention, like similar to you said, you're 35, I'm 40. I do want to get married. I do want a partner. I love my life and I want someone to come with me on this journey. If I'm going on a date, like I always share where I am in my life. Like these are some of the very beginning questions. And I think very important when you're, you are an expat because chances are, if you meet someone and they're from another country, it is really important to think about like, what are some of your goals? Like, are you trying to stay in this country for X amount of time? Like is, is marriage in your future? Where are you married? So of course you do have these serious conversations about like, where's your mind? Where's your head at? While at the same time, 
you know, they will say like dating, my therapist will say dating, you're just like taking applications too. Like you're checking just as much as the person is checking you out, you're checking them out to see like, do this, does this person actually have some qualities that I care about or things that I value? So I always like to include fun by while also sharing my truth of like what it is that I want and not being scared to say what that is. So if it's like, I'm looking to get married, you know, I run a life partner. Like I'm not going to hold back from saying that, but I don't put the pressure on someone that they need to marry me by the next date, you know, you know? And then I think if I, if someone could share that they're not really looking for that, they're not doing that, then I already know that maybe they'll just become my friend and I'm cool with them, but I'm not going to move along. Cause we're, you know, and I think that's where like the sharing your truth is, but I always say like, start with fun, and have a good time. You know, we shared that we loved our dates because we were present. So that's also something I incorporate because one of the things I do have a very strong spiritual practice. And I do believe that intention, like you want to be in a place of least resistance as well. I don't want to come into a place in a stronghold where almost someone could feel like, damn, she's looking to get married tomorrow. Like I'm just trying to like get to know who she is today, you know? So I feel like putting both together is important for me, but, but, but as say, but the, I totally agree with you, Christine, in that like having a, a clear intention of like what it is that I want should be said, like from the very beginning and whatever, and of course, whatever feels comfortable for you. I know some people, there's so many like dating tips and like so many things that we all listen to. And I think ultimately you have to do what feels comfortable for you, depending on the date you're on, like Sometimes it might just be a flow in that day and like you might share more of your goals than maybe the first day, you know, like it's also what feels comfortable for you. But I think intention and having like joy and having fun on a date, I think it's like important to me. Yeah, those are all really important. There really is no right or wrong answer. I think that relationships are one of many things that human beings haven't been able to figure out. You know, you I, you know, you can take your time, right? You can you can get married on the second date. You can be with someone older, younger, some of your same ethnic group, someone who's not same religion, someone who's not, and there's no guarantee that it's going to go the way you plan. So my intention is really to be open. I know that, you know, this is just the packaging that we're in. Mm. And so I really don't limit myself to what a person looks like. Now, am I attracted to beautiful men? Yes, I'm attracted to beautiful men. I've definitely had my perspective shaped by what society says is beautiful and what isn't. What else can I say about that? But I, I don't let that limit me. My preference is for men of African descent. So, Nicole, like I know where you're coming from in terms of like the swag, like there's just a, there's just a certain swag that is uh, emulated and attempted to be emulated around the world that black american men have but there's also a whole lot underneath that swag and i actually wrote an article about it on medium but i'm also you know interested in a connection i'm also interested in connecting with someone who has integrity now mm-hmm. as far as marriage I've been married. I was married for 10 years. 
I've actually been divorced longer than I was married. I think I got married at like 25. I'm not so sure that the institution of marriage is a viable one. Excuse me. I had to. Um, and says it's talking to you like why you say that i just say yeah right i'm like spirit guys are like nah i'm i you know i'm i'm really like the jury is is out on that one for me so i've actually been exploring polyamory just researching it and just really saying if this is something that i want but also, like, how am I arriving at polyamory is the question that I'm asking, because East Africa is a very patriarchal society. And I'm constantly being told that men have so many options here. And my response is, well, I got options, you know. And so polyamory is my way of taking my power back. However, I've been asking myself, well, dang, if I really met somebody that I was really into would I want to share him? Probably not. So, you know, I'm still really exploring, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I would say to answer your question, Christine, my intention is to connect with someone with integrity and also to be open, but not necessarily for marriage. I'm at this place in my life where I'm like, if a beautiful being comes my way, we can love on each other until we can't. I don't know how long you're going to stay. I don't know how long I'm going to stay, but I'm not going to put these precepts on the relationship that we've been programmed to believe is a successful relationship. I love that. You said a word, Dodger. That is so rich. That's so rich. Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Flourish in the Foreign. And if you are, be sure to support this podcast by going to buymeacoffee.com slash flourishforeign and buying me a coffee. You can also write a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, and anywhere else you listen to the show. Thank you so much for listening and supporting. Now, back to the episode. For anyone who has just uh, stopped by, this is Dating Abroad. This is the first panel discussion that we're having in this series. It's supposed to be maybe a three-part series. It might be more. If you have any questions for the panelists, drop them. I see some coming in. I will get to them. But I actually want to ask, I want to see, well, yeah, I want each of you ladies to talk about, in general, because we're going to go deeper, but In general, what has your dating experience been in each of the countries or regions that you've been in? Like what have been like the defining characteristics of that dating experience? Was there a certain type of expectation your your partner, your prospective partner had? Like was was there a lot of cultural differences that you needed to navigate? Were there just different ways of dating and courting that you weren't necessarily accustomed to? Maybe there were different expectations on sex and intimacy. Anything like that you want to share? I'd love, and, and how you were 
perceived and received as a Black woman, and if that played a part in that kind of experience, depending on where you were around the world. So anyone jump in and, and let us know. Okay, sure. Well, that's those are really interesting questions. Let's talk about sex. I, I'll be honest with you. I haven't had a lot of it since I've been here, but I have had a couple of experiences where I was like, dang, do African women really tell they men what they want and don't want in the bedroom, what they like and don't like? Because I'm like, you're not listening, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I'm not in anybody's bedroom to really know what happens. And I'm sure everybody's situation is different. But I, like I said, I have had a couple of experiences where it was like all about him. And and then I also knew that this particular individual was very well sought after. And I think that had to do with the fact that he was also a rugby player. But I think he just really thought he had it going on in the bedroom. He had like no techniques. But afterwards, he was like asking me like and I just didn't want to give him another chance. It was that bad. But I've had a couple of experiences where I was just like, oh, you are really disconnected from your body. Therefore, you cannot possibly be connecting with mine. As in terms of desirability, it's interesting. It depends on the individual because my African-American girlfriends and I, we've had this conversation about how, you know, for men who are looking to exploit your finances, okay, the pinnacle woman that they want to be with is a woman of European descent. But if they can't get at her, we will do. OK, so they don't they won't fool with nobody of their same nationality or ethnicity, but they'll fool with us. OK, but the you know, the golden ring. Right. Is is the white woman where, wherever she happens to be from in the world. But that's for men who are looking to exploit your finances. You know, I'm in East Africa where. I've had to be realistic with myself and recognize that I've had opportunities as a middle class black American woman that a lot of people have not had. And then there is religion living in Zanzibar with Islam, the way that they practice. Like if you get with somebody seriously, they're expecting you as the woman to convert and, you know, some women don't mind. Some women are really opposed to it. What else has been my experiences? I have seen one of the things that's really troubling for me is just seeing the exploitation in relationships. So I've seen brothers who, you know, were African-American who would really like be pursuing me hard or desire, would, would desire me and maybe even be intimidated to talk to me in the States. But here in East Africa or in Kenya, they have access to so many young women who are enthralled by that passport, the nationality, just the swag, the, the everything, the money, that they don't want to deal with me because I'm questioning and I have expectations mm. and they are here to have fun. 
I had some girlfriends, like they wanted to hook me up, you know, which is usual. People are like, no, Taja, you don't, you can't be single. I want to hook you up. And they reached out to a brother who was very age appropriate, handsome, fit, you know, gainfully employed. And he was like, yeah, how about we all just do like a group outing and then go from there? Like he didn't even want to chat with me solo. But I have dated African-American men here. When I say date, like going out on dates, I've dated African men from various parts of the world. And at the end of the day, what I'm grappling with is the self-talk. Because what's constantly running in my head is patriarchy and how the bullshit that (laughs) can I can I speak in my authentic voice? Yes, I told you that before. I said, let it fly. The bullshit that niggas is able to get away with in the States. You just multiply that multiply Mm. like 10 times because patriarchy really stunts the growth and it just allows people to operate and just like, well, what can I get from her, her body? Like, how can I control? Oh, and I got this one over here. Like it's been crazy. And then it's a lot of, you know, because of the history of polygamy, you know, you got people who are accustomed to having more than one woman and women who are accustomed to seeing other women and maybe even themselves share. So you got men who are married, who got mistresses, you know, and they know that coming from my background as an African-American woman, we not down with that. And so they'll hide that they're married from me. And, you know, I may end the situation still not even knowing if they were married, but everything leads to like, oh, like, you was really just trying to have fun. So I could go on forever. Let's let Nicole tell us about her experience. <laughs> I love Tajay's breakdown. I was like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I started my expat journey in the UAE. And as I mentioned, I was in a relationship when I first arrived. So I wasn't really trying to like meet and meet and greet as one of my girlfriends calls them. But one of the things when I did start to like get on the apps, the biggest thing for me, and I saw someone say in the comments, was that idea of feeling fetishized. And I mean, sometimes it was the conversations about the quick conversations about sex and about my body, because, you know, if you post a picture, someone to, the it's one thing for someone to tell you that you're beautiful or they find you attractive. But, you know, when the way the way that someone talks about it, it would often make me feel very uncomfortable. And then I would just be feel conflict. Like, let me just take this photo down, you know? So in the beginning, I really felt like this. I'm just like, yo, bro. Like, like it, it, it felt really challenging in that sense. So at one point I would just take breaks. If I were to be honest, like I would just take breaks from like going on the app or trying because if you haven't experienced over and over again, even before you meet the next person, you're you're kind of accepting that that's going to be your experience again. So for me in the beginning in the UAE, I would say, especially if it was people that were non-Black, I found that this fetishizing and, you know, talking about my features, almost as if like I was on display in a museum, you know, and that for me made it a turnoff. And then very similar to Tadre, as she mentioned, I started to 
say I'm going to maybe have a different conversation with myself and then start to talk about these conversations when I meet these people, like actually talk about race, like, like the very things are were being torn apart or broken down. Like, let me have these conversations up first so that you could understand what kind of woman I am and see what you're perceiving me as. And I do, I did find that once I made that shift, I would say the situations became decent, not like off the hook, like, oh, you know, I could write a book about it, but I found that there was a shift and then I noticed that it was very quick for me to discern and just like not even give people like the time of day. If they were saying certain things in a message, like certain times I was just like, you know, what? you don't need my energy for me to explain or break something down. So I would say that. And then I was just like, you know, I'm very big on like my meditation. And I was like, okay, I need to start meeting people out. Like F these apps, like I need to manifest meeting people in person. And honestly, so said, so done. Like I was starting to meet men literally out. So I found that when I did that, especially if they're at a place that you're, you know, if you're at a carnival or another place that you are interested in, you can kind of feel that real energy of the person and all of that. But I would say that in the UAE, in the beginning, it was a challenge. And for some of the same things, I don't even want to repeat everything that's how you say, but I think the religion, I think the idea that sometimes people, you're just like on someone's like checklist, like it's an opportunity, you know, to be with this person and whatever ideologies or things they think about with sex, like, oh, you're going to be this person that they're going to get to fulfill this desire or this need, you know? And many of those people, you know, from what I would hear, they had like a whole wife and, you know, family, whether in the UAE or even back in the States, like, especially when we talked about Black men, especially military, like that was always like the joke, you know, don't mess with them because they have like a whole nother family somewhere else. So I did, you know, it was definitely was a struggle in the UAE, but even still, I did have some decent moments. And I really just tried to highlight that and think about that so that I wouldn't get consumed. Because I do think that even with the dating Sometimes we hear so much of it and it's often negative that we also take it on as our own. And I've been trying to do that. Like, it's like, this is something that happened, but also let me think about also what's possible at the same time. Because if you get so consumed by it, it you could feel very defeated. Like in real talk, like you feel so defeated that you won't even want to put yourself out there. So I try to just do both at the same time. Like, okay, this is like an effed up experience. Let me take a break. Or let me tell you about yourself. Like, I remember I went on a date with a guy and he had a whole wife that was pregnant and I did not know. Like, a whole wife. And, like, I mean, like, how are you so ballsy? Like, what? And, like, someone would have probably thought that I was, like, that kind of woman that's over here just, like, you know, with not even knowing. And it was my friend that, like, was like, oh, my God, I know who she is. And I was so embarrassed. Like, I didn't even know. I'm like, how are you taking me on a whole date? And your wife is probably there in the house, pregnant. So, like, that was pretty scary. And I think the smaller... Like the UAE is, is really small. So like news and information can just like spread really quickly. Like you could know, sometimes you know certain people like not to mess around with or the person that's messing around with pretty much everybody. <laughs> or And I think that's also the challenge, I think, with dating in places that are so tight knit is that sometimes you're not wanting to date, not just because of, let's say, blocks or because it's hard, but because 
you, if you're a type of person like I am really, like I'm not trying to like share, like I can't know that like, let's say I like Tadri, that's my girl. And like, I don't, I'm not gonna feel comfortable. Like she done been with John and I'm about to be with John. Like you and John in January, I'm in John in March. Like it might be the Scorpio and yeah, I like to have mine. Like, I'm like, no, I don't want to share. So I think that that also makes it a challenge. You know, if you're in a place, it's not even, that's an added thing. And especially let's say if you're in a black community, you only want to date black dudes and like that part can make it more complicated because you're like, yo, he was with this girl. So I would say that that's part of the challenge when I was in the UAE. And then moving forward to China, I think I did a lot of growing. I it, Like UAE, I did so much self-discovery, therapy, just like thinking about my values. So my mindset was totally just moving into China I was just like, I'm going to meet my man. Like, he is out there. People were looking at me like I was crazy. Like, you're not going to meet your guy. And that's when I was actually open to the idea of, of you know, I felt, I said to my, I say this to a lot of people. Don't move. to If you want, if dating is something that you care about, I don't think it's smart to move to a place where you wouldn't, you would not be open to dating the nationals there or the local people there. Mm-hmm. So I moved to China even though, you know, we all have our preference, but I moved to China thinking, okay, if I had to date a Chinese man, would I be open to it? And I said, yes. Like, I was just like, that is, that's something that I was okay with. And I focused my mind really on what I wanted. And for me, once I went to China, I didn't really have to date. Like I met somebody in August and similar to you, Christine, my whole, chi- my whole China experience, I was like in a whole relationship with someone who actually wasn't Chinese. So when people say, ask me about dating in China, I kind of, it's like, I'm like, can I really say I was dating in China? Or just kind of like manifested like my whole, you know, man for that time. So I think it's like, you know how Tadri said, there's no one size fits all model, but I do think the, 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 you know, I know Christine and I have this passion and also Tadri, I would say, I think so much of it is like working on yourself, working on limited beliefs, you know, if you need to have therapy. And I'm not to say that it's not going to minimize those issues, but it'll help you to work through them and would allow you to have a different perspective because relationships in general can be challenging. Moving abroad in itself is challenging. And, you know, like I, I want us to all be loved on, like wherever we are in the world, like it shouldn't yes. be the United States. Like, I feel like we are lovely people and we deserve that wherever we go. And I think that when we work on those things, having some kind of wellness practice, other things, it will help you to move through it because there are also people that want to love on us. You know? I agree yes. with that. And, yeah. you know, one of the things that I try to catch myself doing is speaking more about what I want to happen versus what I don't want to happen. Mm-hmm. And I had a really horrible, bizarrely comical date on Wednesday. I shared it in my stories. Mm-hmm. I told, you know, one person about it and I'm like moving on, you know, mm-hmm. so really like saying these things out loud, but not harping on them and not ignoring like what's really, what really just happened. I was on Bumble which, you know, the app is all right. And like I said, I'm I'm open. So I was like, let me just open myself up to somebody non-Black. And I saw that there was a white American guy on there and, you know, he was chatting and, 
And I was like, okay, where are you from? And it turned out he was like from North Carolina or something. And he was like, you know, where are you from? And I was like, you know, I'm from LA, dead silence. Like he, he disappeared because he wanted an African woman, but he didn't want a strong black American woman, a strong mm-hmm. African woman. He was not looking for that. He was looking for someone to manipulate and control. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so, mm-hmm. you know, the you know, the other thing that we haven't touched on is like dating beyond a certain age. Mm-hmm. You know, and what does that look like amongst the populace that gets married so early, comparatively early? And, you know, in a in a culture in which divorce is severely frowned on, you know, who am I going to date over 40 and do they want kids because I'm postmenopausal and I'm not interested in birthing children? <laughs> you know, what I'm saying? so, yeah, that's a whole nother conversation we could get into already. Yeah, no, I and we're just good. No, I was going to say, I mean, I'm 40, but sometimes, you know, no one ever believes me. So, but I think if someone hears that number, then they're like, they understand that like, oh, she really serious. Like she, she's trying to get married. Like she really probably want to have these babies like tomorrow. So I definitely understand, but I think it just goes back. Like I'm always thinking like, I, I you know, I'm always affirming myself. Like somebody out there want to love me want to give me them babies and get married and like want to do all the things. And like, sometimes if I don't have evidence then maybe I get to be the evidence for someone else, you know, like when I went abroad, when I went to China, like I mentioned, I met somebody in August and no, I I moved in August and met someone in November. And my two other black girlfriends told me that if it hadn't been for me, you know, seeing me have a boyfriend, they would have not even considered like being putting themselves out there to date in China because, you know, all the places, most people don't think of black women dating in China. And I realized that how much even just seeing your story, like whether negative or positive, it really impacts someone. And dating is something that I don't think, or just love. We don't talk Mm. about that much. Like I feel like the expat experience is often just talking about how much money we save, which I'm all about the coins. It's always talking about all the trips. I'm all about the trips, but it's almost like it's like not a normal conversation to talk about like love and wanting to be in dating or even just partnership or companionship, especially when it comes to like black women. It's almost like something is wrong with you. And I, I really want to normalize that aspect too of moving abroad because it is something that's just not, kind of on low on the radar. And I don't know if it's because we only highlight all the bad things, because I think that those are always real. And I think it is important. Like people should know the bad, the good and ugly. But I just would want us to all amplify all of those things so that you don't know that your story, like, you know, even just hearing you speak, Tadra, like, I feel already inspired. I mean, the fact, Christine, that you moved abroad you based on someone you met on a layover, like, I love that. Like, to me, it gives me, like, it's almost like you're giving me permission to do that, too. Like, oh, I might take a trip and meet somebody. And, like, Christine doing it actually gives me permission to actually have that. Like, seriously, because, you know, when I was younger, like, people would say you don't do things for love. Like... And of course, I'm not saying not to have discernment. I'm not saying all those things, but I think it's always seen as this minimized portion of our life. Like, oh, you're not supposed Mm -hmm. to like, you know, and I mean, that's why I was so excited when you said you wanted to do this, because 
I just think that is important. I want women to know that they can be loved on abroad. They can go on amazing dates. They could have some challenging dates. They, they can learn about themselves on a date. They can meet women who are, I mean, because I have also friends who've met people abroad and are married, you know, and just making sure that we highlight all the different experiences so that pe- someone doesn't only consume one aspect of it and think that that has to be what it's going to be, but more like, oh, this is just a collection of some of your experiences that you might have. You know, you right. might have, people, you know, so I think that that's like so important for me. And just like, I mean, of course, Christine, you having this on your home is so important, but to really share that. Yeah, definitely. I agree. You know, I think I think you just read me, Nicole, because I definitely have been a person who minimizes dating abroad, rolled my eyes when people ask me about it. I'm just like, it's just dating, who cares? But you know, (laughs) the thing is, is that partnership is a legitimate reason as to why you may want to change your life. Do you wanna move abroad solely on for dating? I don't know, I, I wouldn't, but like you could if you wanted to, but I agree with you. I think it's so important for representation for there to be representation and it not to be felt like it's high stakes, like it's all or nothing, or it's going to be only one experience or another. There's so many different experiences. And I mean, as both of you ladies have said, you know, we deserve to be loved. We deserve to have the experiences that we want to have. And it's not all bad, even though the bad things do get amplified because it could be crazy, like, because people are crazy out here. My experience here in Europe, in, in Spain, and I've had several guests who are also in Spain, is very uh, interesting, we'll say. I will say that fetishism, exoticism is a thing for sure. You know, being called chocolate, bonbon, things like that. And I'm like, look. Not bonbon, wait. I, I can call myself chocolate. I can, I can call my girlfriend's chocolate. You, I don't know, you can't call me chocolate, okay? That's how it works. You don't call me, don't do any of that. No, no, no. There's definitely, there's definitely been experiences where guys have said to my guests, and even to me, you know, they want to try a black girl. I'm like, we're not, we're not doing that. That's not what it's about. Right. Like we're like, what is this like Costco? We're we're passing out samples. Like what the hell? That's not what's happening here, Mm -hmm. sir. We're not doing that. I think what has been a positive, I I think, about being here in Spain in particular is that there actually isn't a lot of pressure on dating and and being partnered by a certain age. It's a very Mm -hmm. it's a longer kind of timeline. People are not really pressed. And so there's that. I think also for desirability, I definitely feel desired here. I don't feel like Spanish men, and this is general, are necessarily my type for various reasons. But I I feel like I feel desired because I do stick out. And like, you know, there ain't nobody looking like me. And they're like, Spanish women have their lane and it's very different and we don't compete. Like, I feel like we're not, we're not doing the same things, girls. We're not doing the same thing. So I don't, I feel, I feel fine by that. I will say that I think I've had several guests like in Italy and other places that do feel like it's an advantage 
if you are open to date interracially to be in Europe. I'm not sure how I feel about that because I've also had, I know people who I haven't had on the podcast who have dated black men successfully or, you know, happily partnered here in Spain with Afro-Spanish or of other, you know, ethnicities or nationalities rather. And it works. I would say though, that I think in the Spanish culture, there is a casualness about relationships. And so if you're looking for something for like marriage or I don't know, defining partnerships, it may not be the place for you. It wasn't my experience. Like my ex was like, yeah, we go together. Like you and me, we go together forever. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) In hindsight, that might've actually been a red flag, but we can talk about that later. But I will say that it has been, it's been an interesting experience in, in, in blackness and in how I, I, how I perceive my own blackness, because this is the thing, you know, here in Europe, you're, you're black. Like everybody sees you, you're black. Cool. But then I open up my mouth and they're like, oh, you're American. You're and yeah. And I don't know. I still struggle with that. I still struggle with it, regardless if people think it's good or bad. Because I just be like, but because being black American, you know, my dad is from Trinidad, so Caribbean, but like being very much black American, where I feel like we all black, like mm-hmm. that's it. To be like, I don't know, labeled, segregated, given different types of value feels mm-hmm. very strange. I don't really like it at all. I say that people who are interested in dating here in Spain, obviously be open to dating white guys because it's a, it's a white country. Like they are <laughs> black guys, but like, just let yeah. you know, like you, I've had guests who were like, they live in Spain. They're like, I'm leaving because I want to date and marry a black man. That's mm-hmm. what you might need to do. I think mm-hmm. also though, you need to date. If you're going to be in Spain, date a Spaniard. You need to make sure that they've been somewhere. I would say, because that's a huge difference. Ha- dating someone that has had an international experience is a completely different kind of ex- experience of, of what they're going to so. say to you. Right? <laughs> I actually lived in Mallorca, um, mm-hmm. not very long, Mallorca, Spain. And my experience there was when I would walk down the street, men would try to touch me. Mm, and I would have to like move out the way, like, you know, it's not okay for you to touch me. Women would come up to me and just tell me like in, in a sarcastic way that they hated me, my skin and my body. And, oh my God, we hate you. Oh my God, just look at you, look at you. And I actually ended up dating an Italian guy for two years and there are definitely African men in Mallorca, but they were francophone and they were also recent immigrants, you know, that had survived that journey across mm-hmm. the ocean or the strait, you know, to make it to Spain. And so, you know, there was a, a difference in terms of not just language and class, but, you know, just culture and, and everything. But I do remember meeting this Canadian guy who was a skipper 
And he would come to Mallorca because it's the capital of yachting. And he would hire himself out for wealthy Europeans and just take them island hopping throughout the Mediterranean. And he was trying to get with me so bad. He had definitely exoticized me. He would call me dark girl. I've never been with a dark girl before. And I was just like, oh, my God. (laughs) But yeah, it it was interesting. And I was broke at the time. And so I knew this man was like willing to finance a lifestyle and do, you know, but it was like, I I just, I don't have it in me to, to do that, you know? And I was like, no. And then, you know, anecdotal, I went to his place to go some, so we could go out one night. And anyway, he had like these naked women mannequins, female mannequins in his place. And he had named them Mm -mm. child. I'm glad you survived that. That sounds crazy. That That's sounds awesome. like the beginning of a horror movie or something. I like, mean, you feel like you could write a book. I need to clear out this energy, y'all. Just yes, let release. All right, we have a bunch of questions and comments. I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna try to go through them, y'all. Bear with me, y'all. I will try to get to your questions. Shannon says, have you, have any of you found that being fetishized is really common in your dating experience? Okay. We kind of touched on that, but if anyone mm-hmm. wants to add on to that, you go ahead. What else we got? Uh, I can say that, you know, kind of with the fetishization, but not so much is this, what's the word I'm looking for? This extreme adoration for African-American culture and they try to they try to get it through me. So it's like, oh, I love hip hop. Oh, it's always that and da, da, da. And then it's like, oh, but then there's you. You know what I'm saying? So if I got you, that kind of legitimizes me. I got a piece of the culture. Like that's that's something I've experienced. It's like you're like the the fifth element. They're like, oh, we needed you. And then it's all come together. You're just like, what is wrong with y'all like therapy or some other sounding board is very very strange we have a comment from Adelia hey Adelia I'm convinced that the reason women over 40 are considered less desirable is because we see through the patriarchal bs they don't want a woman who can call them on it I think so too it's so interesting because I mean we've, we've all kind of mentioned it but there is definitely something about men going abroad. I'll definitely say Western men being abroad and them being like, no, I want to rule the roost. It's something that I've actually had a lot of women say about Colombia, especially. They're like, American men, Western men are not checking for anyone who is not Colombian because it's not that they're like, oh, this is my type of Latina woman. It's like, okay, sure, there's a preference. But they're like, I, they want to feel, and they want, they want to subjugate people. And I'm like, they want to really exercise that patriarchal power nonsense. They don't want to be questioned. They want to be their alpha self. They want to live out their high value man fantasy kind of nonsense. High value. They think they be thinking that, and I'm just like, wow, how fragile is your identity if you can't be questioned on on your behavior, if you can't be held accountable for your your behavior, the things that you say, and how you move? You need to 
lowered your money. And that's what it comes down to over these women so that you can have respect so that you can feel a certain kind of way. It's, it's interesting. And it's not just, you know, I've seen it. It's, it's hard, you know, coming from a place of people who were enslaved and who were sexually violated and exploited. It's, it's difficult being in Africa where I feel safe and I feel free, but then I also see the sexual exploitation, particularly of young African women and girls. And it's by European men. It's by all types of men. I'm going to just be real with you. And, you know, they see me and it may not register to them until I speak that I'm older. But I remember, you know, being in Watamu on the coast and I was looking for a place to just kind of like lay out on the beach and enjoy. And these Italian men were like, here, here, come sit over here, come sit over here, because they're accustomed to dealing with, you know, young African women who don't have bank accounts, you know what I mean? And who are also looking for a sponsor. There is such an imbalance in terms of power, in terms of money and age. And I'm I'm watching these men and they're particularly European men who are in their 70s and late 60s, sometimes on with walkers, canes and wheelchairs. And they got a young African girl with a new baby. And I'm just like, oh, my God. But you can get away with that here. And it's, you know, it's hard to say, like, what is what did she say? Who's zooming? Who? <laughs> like, it's hard to say who's getting over in that situation. But that, you know, that's also a goal of some women that I've met who are just like, oh, what type of guy do you like? And I'm thinking qualities. And they're like, oh, I like white guys. You know, they want to get with a white man and they want to have a biracial baby. Okay, but I'm getting off topic. Sorry. Girl, we could could talk about that. We could talk about that. I will say that experience, I've had that experience here in Spain. I've been propositioned. Actually, all the women I've interviewed that live in Spain, we've all been, or in Italy, we've all been propositioned as prostitutes, which is interesting. That activates a certain feeling, especially being Black American, where we have that patriarchal notion of you need to make sure you don't dress like you're fast or what are you doing and things like that, especially as, you know, little Black girls. So when you're propositioned like that, my first thing was like, what the hell was I doing for people to think I was a prostitute? Oh, I was just sitting here reading a book, you know, like, or my friends being out, they were in the grocery store getting some tomatoes. That has been very intense and crazy, very triggering. It's not an experience I have had often. I've had it like three times. And obviously I remember those three times very distinctly, but it has happened and it is very strange and it is very disheartening in particular because here in Spain and in Italy, there have been, you know, documentaries and exposés about human trafficking, sex trafficking that happens. And it's, I think they're well aware of it. I would say that here in Spain, Spain, I think it was announced maybe two weeks ago is the second country behind somewhere else, maybe Thailand, where, where there are 
I don't know how to say it, like the most Johns in the world, like the most men who solicit prostitutes in the world. Wow. So with that in with that in play, it's like, okay, maybe that's the reason. But I, I think there's so many different layers as mm -hmm. to someone seeing you being like, you're open for business. Look, if someone wants to be a sex worker and do that, that's fine. Right. However, I don't think you would position anybody with any profession when they are like going to a grocery store, like an accountant mm -hmm. going to get a tomato truck, like, hey, can I ask you a quick question? No, because they're not, you know, on the clock. So it's, it's, it's a very interesting thing where, uh, you know, myself and some guests have experienced like this thought that just your blackness makes you open and available. And then they get their feelings hurt when you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know, and make a scene. Cause a lot of get, you know, where I'm, you know, I'm from Atlanta. Like I'm, a, I'm gonna make a scene. I'm gonna <laughs> talk and I'm gonna say, you know, you open up your wallet one more time. I'm gonna rob you. And then you oh, were gonna talk God. about this policy. Like what you wanna do? You know, like let's explain the situation. I thought you were just gifting me money, sir. But that for me has only happened with the old, old men. And the guy, one of the, one of the men that have propositioned me was on a walker. Like he walked himself. And I thought, oh, look at this little boy. Sir, what can you do? What? No. Hell no. I was actually almost arrested in Madrid going to a flamenco performance. And yeah, they were about to put me in a paddy wagon because they thought I was a sex worker. And luckily, I called my friend right away and I was like, bring my passport. And because I only had my driver's license on me. And he told me, he was like, I got to let you know, if you were not African-American, it would have been over for you. I got too many African friends. And he was just like, no. Yeah, they thought I was a prostitute. And that happened to me twice in Spain. It's, it's intense. It's intense out here. Let's get to some more questions here. Okay. How do y'all recenter yourselves when you get discouraged on the dating journey? particularly when abroad? That's a good question because look, it's, a, it's adulting abroad, right? So sometimes you don't have as much of a support system. Sometimes all the other aspects of living abroad get you down and you don't need that one other thing where you're just like, really, really? <laughs> so how do you guys recenter yourselves when you get discouraged? I think talking to people who are having a mix of experiences reminding myself what my goals are, someone that's going to pour into me and affirm me. Of course, having my own practices, whether it's journaling or maybe writing down, maybe if there's a, a theme or something that's repeating, like I would definitely, maybe that's something that I need to look at, but definitely a wellness, some type of wellness path or wellness practice that you have in place and having like a solid community. And, and, and I said, just kind of like what I talked about, you, you don't want someone that's going to make you feel worse than what you do already about this situation. And you want to, you want to be heard, which is most important, right? Someone that's going to hear you out. And at the same time, someone that will reassure that, you know, cause this is part of the process. And, and to be fair, even though this is a living abroad conversation. Like I speak to some of my friends back home in New York and they are having similar situations. So it's not to say that just because we are expats, like, you know, people are living amazingly like in New York or Chicago. Sometimes my dating situation is actually better than theirs sometimes. Like the fact that I'm actually going on a date, right? So I think the fact that you just remind yourself that it's 
sometimes this might be part of the process. You're not alone. Someone, someone's definitely out there that's going to love on you and wants to love on you. You just haven't met them yet. And that give yourself grace. I think sometimes what can get mixed up with having intention and having a goal is that sometimes because we get so clouded by one experience, we forget that it was just one date. It wasn't like a lifetime. But whatever gives you solace and peace, I just said a bunch of things that work for me. You have to find what would make you feel comforted during that time. And then I would check into that whenever. And, and, and like someone said in the chat, I always do it. Like sometimes I just take a break, just like anything else. Like take a break. Like if something, I wouldn't continue going on an app. Like if you're having a funky time, like kind of reset. Yeah. Those are, I love how you keep saying there's somebody out there who will love on you, who wants to love you, but you just haven't met them yet. And you and I were both Scorpios. That's why you know <laughs> But I do want to say that I have a daily meditation practice where that helps me set my intentions. I did have a pretty disappointing situation once, and I knew I needed to raise my vibration. I allowed myself to feel what I was feeling. And then I just closed the curtains in my house. I turned off the lights and I started to play some house music. And I was dancing like an expert and a crazy woman, <laughs> like just rolling on the ground, just jumping, just turning, doing all these spins. But that was my way of raising my vibration. Another thing that I do is I have a list of characteristics that I would like in a man, you know, these are optional and deal breakers. I save them in my notes on my phone. And when I have a crazy situation, I just read those characteristics and I'm just like, my man is, and I just start naming mm. all of these characteristics. And, you know, that helps to just like to shift the energy. And as, as you said, you know, it was just one experience. <laughs> And I wanted to add to what you said, Tadre. I highly suggest, like, I also like dancing, but I also created, you know how, like, some people like playlists? I actually have a love playlist. So I think of, like, all my love. I know people say they get sad with love songs, but, like, I'm, I always tell people I love love. So I have a playlist that, because... We all want love. We want all the things that we desire because of a feeling. So I like to have a playlist that evokes me into that feeling. So there are certain songs, like, you can tell me that I didn't have a man, like, I wasn't married. Like, like I will, I'm like, where he at? He's not in the kitchen. Like, because I'm like, so, I'm like, so in that vibrational space that you could not tell me he wasn't in here. Like, I think whatever that thing that brings you to that, it's, it really is vibration, as you mentioned, Tadri. Like, whatever that can evoke that emotion. I mean, think about it. When we listen to Adele, when she had that song, we all, regardless if we were in a relationship, we felt like we were in her situation. And I kind of connected to that. So if you have, like, a playlist or you're really into music, like, I definitely have it. Like, if I'm feeling a little doubtful about love and, like, whatever, I, like, have this whole playlist and girl, like, share your playlist. You should share yeah. your playlist. Yeah. Yes. 
Nicole, you should definitely share your, your playlist with everyone. And Tadra, you should definitely share that article you had mentioned earlier with everyone as well. But I'll go back to what you just said, Nicole. That's what I do. I utilize music. I'm a big visioning person. Like I, I try to sit into that space of really not just like visualizing, but really embodying what that ideal situation feels like. And when I feel like I can't, I recognize that there's something that I haven't dealt with. And I just started doing this technique I learned maybe two months ago, where it was really about uh, what kind of, what apology are you expecting from someone, especially with dating? Like if it's something didn't go well, disrespected or something, which apology are you waiting on before you, for you to move on with your life? Like, why are you waiting on that? And so taking a piece of paper and writing out that apology that I feel like I deserve, writing yeah. it to myself, but then taking it a, a step further in all the items that I'm expecting this apology from, how have I not been giving that to myself and seeking mm. that kind of affirmation or seeking for someone else to fill that in me? And how can I then give that to myself now? Once I do, do that exercise, I could sit and I can visual, vision and taste and like get all in it. I was like, oh yeah, right. I I am in it, and and it made me feel really happy and content in the meantime. It didn't feel like I'm waiting. I don't feel pressed because I know what it feels like, and it makes me actually even more confident about going out there. And not feeling so nervous because I'm like, I already know how it feels. So really, I'm just trying to catch that feeling. I'm going to chat. We're going to have this conversation. I'm not going to feel like I got to be everything and all these things because I already know what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And um, that's work, y'all. I'm telling you. That's it's, a it's really valuable tool. I just wrote it down. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and please share that afterwards because I want to do yeah. that as well. That's such a valuable tool. Yeah, yeah I got it. I got it from another podcaster, a way better podcast, Dr. Tama. She's a, she's a, a psychologist. Like she, yeah. she has a podcast called Homecoming. She had this episode in January. I think it was called how to move on from not receiving an apology that you think yes. you should. that's not the, I don't, it was something way better than that. But I listened, when that dropped, I listened to that like 20 times that week because spirit was like, why have you not, why have you not given yourself permission to move on? A lot of times we get caught up in the indignity of a situation. We are indignant and it's self-righteous because you have done me wrong. And they weren't, they could have been foul as hell, like you're foul. But how can we move on? Because sometimes people are sorry or sometimes they're not. And even if they were sorry, that doesn't actually give you anything, give you permission. It isn't doesn't actually give you the fuel that you think you need to to move on, and that it, it was that was a game changer for me. I was like, oh okay, because I could write this letter and I could look at this, and then I took it to my therapist too, and we we worked on it, <laughs> and yeah. I feel great. So let us move on. I know we have more questions or more comments. Shannon says navigating the craziness and dating can be so draining. I find uh, find having to protect my mental is so important. Yes, 100%. 100%. <laughs> and I yes. highly suggest therapy. Like we all mentioned it, 
Definitely, I think having a therapist, I if you know if affordable for you, should definitely go with you on your expat journey. Because sometimes you have things that you're carrying, like what Tadri said, like sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes you might be the thing that's in your way. Like sometimes it's so easy to just trust or notice what we see in the physical form. But sometimes there's things within us that we don't even we don't have the words for it or something maybe we faced, you know, maybe a prior relationship or something that happened before and we're carrying it. And it's materializing or manifesting in sometimes these some of these situations, not all, but I think it's just like real helpful. Yes. All right, ladies, we have gone over. I didn't even notice we've gone over. We're, we've been talking for an hour and 30 minutes. Y'all, if you have any last minute questions, this is the time to ask because I'm going to wrap it up right now. So if you got any other questions, bring it on. And I would love for both of you to kind of just like share some Know, some last reflections on on dating maybe what maybe what your intention is for this year as you approach dating some insights I don't know just something whatever you, whatever's on your heart that you want to share I find that the more that I take care of myself you know and I know we both have a passion for holistic wellness I feel that dating just becomes easier regardless if it's good or bad. I really allow myself to flow with it. I have a, yeah, I'm not, I don't know. I just carry a lightness with me, just a lightness of being, to be honest. Like the more that I'm focused on myself and what I can do to be a better person is the easier it becomes in attracting people that are a true reflection of what I want to see in myself. And it just adds to the dating experience. Mm. Yeah, I will say unlearn the patriarchy and trust your gut. You know, we always hear that you're supposed to trust your gut. And sometimes that's easier said than done. And just to share, you know, I recently had an experience dating that was very undesirable. And I knew I did not want a second date with this person. However, because of the programming I was just asking myself, like, are you being too mean? Are mm-hmm. you, you know, rushing to judgment? Maybe you should give him another chance. Mm-hmm. And also just wanting to be liked, you know? And I really had to, you know, talk to myself, like, you already know what it is. Trust your gut. This is this ain't it, you know? And you give this person more time, they're going to show you more of themselves. So that would be my message to the women. Just continue to trust your gut and, you know, check yourself and unlearning the patriarchy, which is inside of all of us. Ooh, that was, yes. Amen. Amen. Y'all don't have to be nice. (laughs) We can be civil. We can be kind, but we don't got to be nice. And we don't got to, you know, we don't got to do that. We can be true to ourselves. We don't have to say, oh, we might hurt your feelings. Look, that's part of dating is preferences. I prefer you. I, pre- I don't prefer you. You prefer me. You don't prefer me. It is what it is. 
But let's yes. not waste our time in 2022. Let's not waste our time. All right, ladies, thank you so much for joining me. If you have not listened to Dating Abroad Part 1 or Dating Abroad Part 2 on Flourish in the Foreign, those episodes are linked in the description. So go ahead and take a listen and let me know what you guys think, right? This is supposed to be an open and honest conversation. This is for the betterment for all of us, you know, having healthy relationships impacts our wellness. And we want that. We want that for every single person. So, oh, here come the fireworks. So remember everyone, it's not about moving abroad and it's definitely not about just being abroad. It is about thriving abroad. So go abroad and cultivate a life well lived. Until next time, bye. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Flourish in the Foreign. So as you have probably noticed, this is the end of season four. We're doing a lot of compilations, some throwbacks and things like that. I hope you're enjoying that as I take a little bit of a rest and as I prepare to bring you all brand new interviews by phenomenal, exceptional, incredible black women for season five. Season five will kick off in September and I'm super excited to bring that to you all. But also, please remember that this is a solo indie podcast, which means that I am not a part of a network. And I am the producer, creator, host, editor, and everything of this podcast. So please be sure to support this podcast like y'all support Hulu, Disney Plus, and Netflix, and all those other things, because your support really makes an incredible difference in the production of this here podcast because y'all know Flourish in the Foreign is a labor of love, but labor nonetheless. So please be sure to support the podcast. You can do so by going to buymeacoffee.com slash flourish foreign and buying me a coffee or purchasing some podcast equipment or software that actually helps make this podcast run. I'd appreciate that. Also, be sure to subscribe to the Flourish in the Foreign YouTube channel. Flourish in the Foreign, simple enough. Make sure you're following the podcast on Facebook and on Instagram at Flourish Foreign. And of course, check out all of the resources on the website, flourishintheforeign.com. We have new blog posts, we have show notes, and we have resources to help you move, live, and thrive abroad. That is how you can support this here podcast. And of course, be sure to write a review if you have not and share the podcast with all of your friends, all of your family members, and the colleagues that you like. We'll keep it to the ones that you like today, but really you should share with everyone. And as always, Big thanks to Zachary Higgs, who produced the music of this here podcast. Remember, it's not about moving abroad. It's not about being abroad. It's about flourishing abroad. So go abroad and cultivate a life well lived. See you next time. <laughs>